Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you guys so much for coming to First Thursday. Like Jenny said, I like to make people at home, so I'm just going to also make you uncomfortable because that's what family does, so I'm going to get a little bit closer. Sweet. I'm so excited for you guys to be here. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, When JJ asked me to preach, it was less like an ask. It wasn't an ask. He was just like, hey, you're doing it. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I asked him for a topic because I didn't want to think, really. I was like, I'll research all day. But like to think, that's not my thing, really. And he goes, well, I just, the best thing to do is just to talk about what's something that like God is working on in your own life. And we had just come out of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Wasn't it amazing? For you. For me, it was like 21 days of God revealing all the things that like I can improve on um, all the things that like he might not be so proud of, all of the things that I thought were just part of my personality, and he was like, mm, you learned that somewhere. Uh, so tonight I'm going to talk to you guys and about something that I am still working on, full disclosure. I am, I, last thing I want to do is be a hypocrite, and like I have all of the answers, I do not, but I know who does. So I'm just going to share with you what he's working on in me, and hopefully you can just take some little nuggets with you, and hopefully it'll just bless your life, and I'm just really, really expectant on it. So I'm delaying on telling you what it is, because the problem with this topic is the people who need to hear it the most are the ones who are less likely to to accept it. Patrick's here. Oh my God. Where's my room? Well, that was for my pride. That was my ego. So you know we're still working on things. Uh, Tonight we will be talking about pride. Yeah, girl. Yeah, girl. Oh, man. And pride is really hard because, again, it's something that everybody has maybe a little bit of. Uh, We can tend to do it when we are looking for attention or when things are going really bad and then we are still looking for attention. Uh, But that's just one form of pride. Uh, Pride is that... It's kind of like having something like stuck in your teeth. You don't know it's there, but everybody could point it out in you, you know? That's kind of how it works. Um, so like when somebody's like, hey, you have something in your teeth, and then you like go looking for it, and it's never the right spot the first time. You're like, oh my God, this is confidence. Oh, no. no. Like, oh, this is self-worth. Oh, no. So uh, just in the vein of that thing, if you are taking notes today, the title is The Other Side of Pride. Ooh. Joey did that. It's the other side of pride. Now, pride is when you say, like, I've got it. I understand. I have everything. Um, I don't need to lean on anybody. And I didn't realize that I had a problem with pride until I was asking my friends for examples. And I was like, tell me when I was proud or, like, I showed pride. And I went up to my family and I was like, tell me a story of when I had pride. And they didn't have anything to tell me. And I was like, why not? And they're like, because we're afraid of you. (laughs) What's the point? And I was like, oh, second thing to work on, but tonight we're going to work on pride. 
So I had to go in like my Rolodex of memories and like scan through all of the times where I think that I was proud or that I had an overemphasis of myself or what I looked like or what I felt like. And the very first moment that I can actually remember is when I was 12 years old. Now, 12-year-old me, imagine her like a little tanner, a little cuter. She's like full force, still, still cute. We're talking about pride, right? Um, so 12-year-old me is at church, and I get approached by the pastor's wife, and she comes up to me, and she goes, oh, baby girl, um, I got something to tell you. Um, you have a mustache. Right? And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I meant it. It's supposed to be there. No. Uh. And that was like my first reaction. I was like so visceral, and I was like, well, you know, there's a couple things that I got from my dad. It's my work ethic. It's my... Um, <laughs> Ability to make inappropriate jokes in serious times. So good at that. And it is also like mustache. Thank you, dad. Jeans are strong. And this lady comes up to me and she tells me, like, this is something you might want to address. Here's some bleach. For, like, she was above the intention line. Like, it was action. So she goes, here's some bleach. And I'm like 12 years old. So I'm in the uh, bathroom and you know how like the medicine cabinet mirror is just the truth and the, I don't know what it is it's like science or something like the one in front you're like oh I look great and then the what the medicine cabinet you're like Ugh, gremlin like that's just the way it goes so I'm there and I'm looking at my gremlin mirror and I had put this bleach on my face and I took it off and I don't know if you've ever seen like a baby otter But the Lord was not kind on that day, you know? That's what I look like. And I, it's gonna get spiritual in a second, hold on. <laughs> I promise, welcome to First Thursday. It took somebody from the outside to tell me that there was something that I had been carrying my whole life that I thought was normal, to highlight it in order for me to realize that this is something that is not attractive. This is a trait that I don't wanna be known for. This is something that I don't wanna keep on carrying, so it has to be removed. God, I meant for a mustache. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it's, it's ever since then, I've just kind of been on this, this journey of like trying to figure out when I hit those like pride notes and when I don't. The first mention of pride in the Bible is actually from, it predates humans, to be honest. The first time it is actually mentioned, it is in Isaiah. And it gives a little bit of insight of uh, the devil. So before the devil became the devil, he was actually an angel. And he was in charge of all of the music. And he was actually very highly ranked. He had like angels beneath him to like report to him. And he had all of his gifts and his talents that God had given him. But he wanted more for himself. So this is the first mention of pride. It's Isaiah 14, if you're taking notes, God bless you, that's straight to heaven. Seriously, like a fast, you just show him at the gates. It's, I mean, if you, if you show him, he's gonna be impressed. He's like, how did you get this here? Uh, and he'll just let you through. Who is it, Peter or Paul? Can you imagine Paul at the gates? Oh my God, he'd be horrific. He'd be like, no, no, no. Oh, you used to be blind, me too, get in. Like that's not, so it's Peter. Um, I digress. Isaiah 14. <laughs> Welcome to the family, verse, verse 12. And this is what uh, Isaiah writes in the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna take, a, take it apart a little bit. It says, what a come down, O Babylon, day star, son of dawn. These are all the things that the devil was called. 
um, amazing things. It says, flat on your face in the underworld mud, you, you famous for flattening nations. You said to yourself, I will climb to heaven. I will set my throne over the stars of God. I will run the assembly of angels and that meets at my, Mount Saphon. I will climb to the top of the clouds. I will take over as king of the universe. And this is where like, if you're reading your Bible, you can get a little spicy. It says, you didn't make it, did you? That's how I read it. You didn't read it that way? You didn't, but you didn't make it, did you? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Instead of climbing, you came down, down to the underground dead where the abyss, uh, to the abyss and the pit. So the first thing you need to know about pride is pride will take you further than you want to go in a direction you did not intend to go in. Uh, I was talking to some of my friends after church on Sunday, and uh, we have this common kind of issue where we are always saying, like, oh, I wish we had balance. I wish uh, that, I, that I can, you know, be a good wife and a good mother and a good, you know, child of God and just be amazing. But when you tend to focus on one area of your life, often, you know, it tends to come at a sacrifice to the other areas of your life. Does that make sense? Like, the more I try to be a good worker, the less I'm spending time with my family. Like, the more you try to be a great mom, the less time you spend with your husband who gave you those kids. The more time you try to provide for your family, the less time you actually spend with your family. So we keep trying to, we use this word balance all the time, and I think it's not maybe a balance issue, it might just actually be a focus issue. See, pride will make you focus on the things that give you affirmation. So it works like this. Uh, let's say you are at your job and you're doing an amazing job. Like you're killing it. They're like, we're going to give you a promotion. You're so amazing. Uh, but before you do that, you have to work a double. Oh, but your kid's soccer game is here, which is more important. Your kid's soccer game or the double? Well, you, you need a roof for your kid. That's a natural inclination. So you might go here instead. And then they're so impressed with your double that they give you a, a, a second shift and they want to give you more responsibilities and more money. And then now you have a kid. The kid lost, you know, you don't lose a leg in soccer. What do you do? Break it? Yeah. I obviously don't do sports. <laughs> so let's say your kid lost a leg and now you have to work because now your kid is, needs crutches. So then you go here. But then there is this boss who is like super impressed with all this work and the sacrifice that you're doing but your family hasn't seen you in six months. And we tend to do this, I'm just gonna speak to everybody who's like on the dream team too. I have sacrificed my time with my family for the sake of ministry so many times. They're here, they're nodding, cool. <laughs> I love you. Man, we tend to do that because we go to where we find affirmation. We go to where people go like, oh, good job. We'll always say that. You did an amazing job. But when your family starts resenting church because you spend so much time in it, you're like, God, what is this all for if my family doesn't go to heaven? What is it all for if I don't share the, the glory of God, but when I share something with them, then I feel like I've alienated them because they don't want to live by my example because I'm never there. That's what tends to happen when you have a focus on your own affirmations and a focus inwardly for what even God has called us to do. How many of you guys have like a dream or a talent? Uh, maybe you're in your cubicle and you're like, I would one day love to open like an orphanage or nobody? Cool. I wanna go to the, <laughs> let's go to the save people. <laughs> hey, so when you're in your cubicle, 
when you go to your cubicle, you know, you just keep going. You're like, God, there has to be something more. No matter what job you have, even if it's a stay-at-home mom, you look at your kids, you look at your boss, you look at your coworker and all the pictures of her cats in her cubicle and you go, God, there has to be something more, right? So then God will deposit these gifts and these talents for you and he'll let you get a little bit of an inkling, you know, of what something could be. But how many of us, if we're very real with God, we go, you know what? I thought I would be further than I am right now in that calling, in that dream, you know? I used to hate the word calling a lot. Actually, now I just don't think I have one. Like in a bad, not in a bad way. You know, working on that. But I always wanted like this concrete answer. I like that people have, some people have like this knack for just knowing what God wants them to be. Like I am going to be a singer. I am going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. And I'm like, huh, God, um, what? And I'm convinced more and more, the older that I get, I'm 30 guys, hey, um, the older that I get that God doesn't really care about a title at all. He's not impressed with that. He doesn't label anything like you get to be the rock star of heaven. You don't get to have that. And I think that he's less impressed with, you know, our abilities and our talents and he's more impressed with our obedience and our placement you know talent will take you a long way pride will take you and uh, talent will take you places where you can't even imagine but be be just very careful when it's out of God's timing because it might be a good opportunity but it might not be a God opportunity We have to try to give back to God what, what he has given us. Pride will take you where you want to go, and it will take you farther than your character can sustain you. That's why it becomes so heavy when we hear things like, you know, a pastor messed up or something. That hurts more than just a lawyer or a doctor with malpractice because there's this public trust. And when we break that, when we fall, when it, we don't allow... Um, us to claim that we're human and that we're superhuman. It kind of puts God in a bad light, you know? And we are really good at taking all of the credit, but very poor at giving all of the praise back. How can we do that in our daily lives? So the difference between pride and confidence, it's, it seems kind of like a thin line, but um, confidence is something in who you are, your identity. Pride is, I'm really happy about all of the talents that I have been given. So pride is like all of the extra things. And confidence is knowing that without all of the extra things, without a gift or I can't sing, you know, play an instrument, I I do spreadsheets. That is my talent. Um, But knowing that if I never do a spreadsheet again, God still loves me the same way. It's that confidence. And once we realize that, we kind of can let go of this idea that we have to be perfect. And sometimes we set expectations for ourselves that nobody's ever communicated to us. But we're trying to live up to this idea of who we should be. And if we're not careful, it can get to a point where it's like, I will never reach that person. Amen. Me too. 
I mean, God does not care as much as we think. Why? Because he created it all. He knows every detail. He knows every hair on your head. The Bible says he knit you together before you were born. And I think he's going to be impressed with a talent that he gave me. Like, that is crazy. But we, we get in this moment and we get in this space where, like, if I don't do this, then nobody else will. If I don't set these chairs up, then nobody else will. If I don't sing, then nobody else will. Everybody will be off tune. The thing is, you are, you are important. You're just not that important. Like, can we just receive that today, that the world does not rest on our shoulders, but the shoulders of Jesus Christ who already did it all? I was looking for some, because it's Bible time. I was looking for some verses in the Bible of like how God uh, can use people with pride. And it wasn't hard to find. I was trying to look for examples of people who may have exhibited pride in a moment when they, when they fell, because I was like, oh, that'll really get everybody. Like, just don't do it and you won't fall. The reality is we're gonna fall anyway. So I was like looking in the Bible and I was like, oh, David was great. Uh, he was a great, awesome leader. But then he killed somebody, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe not. Um, and then I was like, Cain and Abel, they were really good, but then they got mad at each other for like what snacks they brought the Lord. And I was like, one of them killed the other. It's not very good. And then I was trying, and I looked at Samson. I almost talked about Samson today because he was like this mighty warrior, and he killed a thousand people with a jawbone of a donkey. I've never done that. That seems cool. That's power. That's amazing. That's pride. And then he died. And I'm like, God, does nothing end in like murder or death? Like, what the heck, Lord? That's how I talk to him. He likes it. <laughs> and then I was praying and I was thinking and I was like, God, I just need a hopeful example. Maybe of not what not to do because we have those examples in our own life. We feel it enough in ourselves. But what does it look like when somebody is actually humble and generous and kind and uh, so I remember this man named Joseph of Arimathea. Does anybody know who he is? You get an extra. <laughs> okay, so Joseph of Arimathea. I don't trust you now. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't. Joseph of Arimathea, you might not know him by name, but you will know him by what he did, which is what an amazing way to live. It's so counterintuitive to the way we live life now. He was known for what he did, but nobody knows his name in this. Does anybody know his name in this room? Amen. Awesome. Thank you, God, because you proved a point. So, Joseph of Arimathea was the man who gave Jesus his tomb. Right? Sacrifice. Without him, the actual resurrection would look so different. Without his sacrifice, then the prophecy of being in a new tomb from a rich man would never actually happen. But we don't know that because he is very minorly mentioned in all four of the gospel. So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you are in your Bible, it's about halfway through. If you are on your iPhone, it's like a scroll and a half. Um, if you're an your Android, there's grace. Hey. <laughs> so he's mentioned in about one or two sentences in all four of the gospel. So this is what he says uh, in Matthew 27, if you're taking notes to go to the Lord. It's faster, you just step on your notes through the years. It says uh, that he was a rich man and he was a disciple. And John 19 says that he 
was a believer of Jesus Christ, but he, did, he believed in Jesus secretly because he was afraid of the Jews. Luke 23 says that he was a mem member of the council called the Sanhedrin. And what you need to know about that is the Sanhedrin is the group of people who decided to vote uh, Jesus to go to Pilate for his own death. So that's what Luke mentions. Luke says that he was a good and righteous man who actually did not consent to the decision but had to live with the actions of his peers. And Mark 15, this is my favorite version, so we're going to elaborate on it. That's what people do. Mark 15, 43, it says that he was a respected member of the council who, looking for the kingdom of God, took courage, although he was afraid, and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And it struck out to me that he was already a disciple, but he was still looking for the kingdom of God. He already believed in Jesus. He was afraid to tell his friends and his family for losing his position. And it was a really high position. In order to be in the Sanhedrin, you had to be rich, you had to be educated, you had to have land, you had to be like super Jewish, you had to be respected and voted amongst your peers and righteous. It was a very high expectation on these people. And without this position, God would not have had the resurrection that he did. It was Joseph who was like, you know what? I believe in God, but I'm still looking for something more. I believe that this is the Jesus. This is the one who's going to change our entire worlds, but I'm still looking for the kingdom. And I cannot remember the last time where I was like, okay, I believe in Jesus, but I'm still looking for the kingdom of God in this world. Do we live a life where we are serving and actually have our eyes open to the needs of other people so that we can fill them? That's what he was doing. He lived this life that was so humble and he had no reason to be humble in reality. Where he was born, what he was given, what he had to work for for himself. He could have just kept it all for his, himself and his family, but he decided to give it up to God. Man, what an amazing thing to be in this position, to be like, God, can you use me today? God, put somebody in my way and just make it so clear to me because I might miss it. God, I'm looking for you and I don't know where I'm gonna find you. If we can live in that place, if we can live continually in this idea that our, our vision is not just for ourselves or what we can get, but it is in the services of other people, then pride is an issue. It's when we look to ourselves and our needs that pride becomes something that is very hard to get rid of. It almost becomes like shackles or like uh, just like this. I don't know why I'm thinking of a sticky tape. That's not the best example. But we're going to go with it because that's how it goes. Um, I love the fact that John says that he was afraid. He had something to lose. We don't have a lot to lose now if we say Jesus' name. We're in a place, we're in a country that we're so blessed with where we can just be free and honest. But how often do we take advantage of that, you know, in our daily lives? How often can we go, you know what, without my name, you don't need to know who I am, but I'm going to fill up your gas tank. Or you're in McDonald's and you want to pay for the car behind you. It's small little actions like this that God has placed you in a moment. You never know when he could use you, but are we looking for it? Are our eyes inward or are our eyes outward? And I think what gave him 
courage, even though he was afraid, is because he felt purpose. He felt like God had put him in this place where he had a tomb. His tomb was brand new. This is something that he had reserved for himself. Jesus was not supposed to be in a tomb. Because he was crucified, he was supposed to be taken with the other two thieves and thrown into a pit with every other sinner and person who committed, uh, um, uh, broke the law, that's words, Everybody else who made these, these issues and these problems for these citizens, he was supposed to be discarded. But he st stepped up and he was like, you know what, I'll take responsibility for this. I feel like this is the purpose of my life right now. And he stepped into that, that's so amazing. I just wanna live like that. So purpose gives you courage to do things that pride tries to hide. I felt like the, uh, Joseph just really believed in his purpose, his preparation, an opportunity to give God what he had set aside for himself. Pride does not allow us to allow God into something that we set aside for ourselves. It could be our finances, it could be um, our friendships, it could be our relationships, it could be that sin, that sin that you like to keep, the sin that you don't tell anybody about, that sin. If we allow God to go in, how amazing would it be to be transformed and change our story and change the stories of everybody around us? That would be amazing. Oh, now I'm nervous. I'm going to say it. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I was talking to one of my friends, and he was going through a really, really hard time. And he had suffered from PTSD. He was a soldier. At the time, he was a police officer. And I had been trying to get him to therapy. I was like, please go to counseling. Please go to counseling. This is above what I can help with. You have to go to counseling. Please, please, please. Uh, so one night, I get a text message from him. And he's like, I need somebody to talk to. And at the time, it was like not opportune. I was on a date. I was like, do you really, though? Uh, so I'm on a date with this lawyer. And uh, he's like... <laughs> Hey, uh, no, it didn't work out those years ago. Um, he, you'll figure out why, I'll tell you. Um, so I'm on the date and I'm like looking and I'm kind of being rude because like that's not polite. I'm just like, oh, my friend needs me. Hmm. And then I look up and my date is like talking about his passion for cycling and he can't wait, like he can't wait to like marry a wife and their family go like cycling like 15, 20 miles a day. And I was like, you're not the one. You're not the one. I'm not the one. It's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. And so I was like trying to like dismiss myself from the state and I'm like, oh, pedal on, sir. See you later. And I get this, I get this text from my friend. He's like, I really, really need somebody to talk to. Now I already knew this was above my limit. But there's this thing inside me that wanted to be needed. And so I went to his house and I'm like, let me just try. Let me try to help. So I go over to his house and I walk in. This is the first time I'd ever been like, alone. it was against the rules. We, I was in, actually in an internship at the time where we weren't allowed to be alone with the opposite sex in an apartment or a house structure thing. <laughs> um, so I walk in and I see on the counter, there's this giant bottle of vodka that is almost done. Just. Like three-fourths are already gone. It's like a duty-free size. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. What am I doing here? Um, so he's like, yeah, let's just chat after the football game. And I was like, mm, okay. Um, 
So two minutes in, he turns around and I just like smell all of the liquor. And I'm like, this, I, this thing inside of me, this alarm is starting to go off. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. This is not good. I shouldn't even be here. And so he like leans in over on me and I take him off. I'm trying to like push him off of me and I fall down to the ground and then I run to the door and he stops me. He grabs me from behind, he pulls me over and he slams me up against the wall. And um, he covers me and he goes, you, you won't get out of here until I let you go. And no one is gonna believe you. And even if you report it, I can make it go away. And I look at him and I'm like, who is this person? I've known him for years, this is like so weird. What is happening? So I start trying to fight back because I'm like, Spanish. And that just, I'm like, I don't know. So I start trying to fight back. And I realized that I just, I can't, that he's, it's, he's too big. He's a foot taller than me, like a hundred pounds. I was going to say a thousand, a hundred pounds tall, bigger than me. And um, the, only left, the only thing left I, I had was just my voice. And I was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Stop. Let me go. Let me go. And he wasn't listening. And I was like, God, please let me go. Let me go. God, stop this. Because of the grace of God, it was like something just snapped inside of his brain and he stepped back and he was like, you need to get out of here. You need to go. And I ran to my car and I go down and I drive really, really fast away. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I stop at this gas station and I just start crying. I am bawling because I did not expect that. I did not expect this thing when I'm trying to do something good to happen this way. And I sat in my car and I drove the rest of the way home and I waited until my parents had put the light on to like signal that they had already gone to bed. And I waited in my car and I just cried and I got so mad with God. I was like, what are you doing? And then pride and shame and pain started making its way in and I started talking to myself. You know, you can go really, really far and you can never move an inch. It's all right here. And I start telling myself, like, you're so dumb. Why would you do this? I can't believe um, you're an idiot. You don't know what people are like. And all of this shame and all of this guilt just started building up inside of me. And I hid it from my family. I hid all the bruises. I hid, I hid everything. I didn't tell them. Um, I was still in this internship program. And I was not talking to God. I was in this internship program for ministry and I started abandoning God. Knowing that he was the solution, but I thought my shame was too big that he could handle. And that's what pride does. It doesn't limit God. God is over everything, but it makes us feel like he can't reach us. And I think that's why God hates it so much. Because what you're really saying to him is, Thank you for the sacrifice, but it can't cover my sin, my shame, my decisions, my understanding of this world. It won't cover the fact that I made this horrible decision. And that's not God. God is greater than everything. He is bigger than everything. It was a really long time before I decided to even talk to God. It was months and months and months. Um, my best friend, Who's here? 
um, my best friend was like, you know what, you need to take the advice that you were giving this guy and you have to go to counseling. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm still surviving, I'm still going to work, I'm still you know, relatively human, I'm fine. And she's like, you are carrying a lot of things inside of you that you, you, you just can't, we are too fickle, we are not strong enough, that's why we need a savior. Not to just to take away our sins, but to take away our pain, to take away our sickness, to take away everything that we had deposit in his hands if we allow him to come into our lives. So I decided to listen to her because she's smarter than me, and I go to therapy. And the first thing she says to me in our session is she goes, I understand that you were raised in church, but you don't have a full understanding of grace. And I was like, let me see your credentials. <laughs> And she goes, <laughs> she goes, so you have to understand grace covers everything. Grace is unmerited. There's nothing that you could do. There's no decision. There's no performance. There's no placement. There's no talent that you have. There is nothing that you could do. It is just given. I was like, oh, okay. You went to school. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And I began this conversation that I had with God, which was, God, I don't understand what you've done. I don't understand why that had to happen. I get it. I get some of it. But I am not you. I don't know what my people are thinking. I didn't create this earth. God is God and I am not. That is my philosophy for life. God is God and I am not. And it replaced this opportunity where I had ignored God for a very long time. It was probably like a year, a year. I was in ministry, a year, telling people that God is great and ignoring him, like hypocrisy to the next level. But there's hope for hypocrites too. And there were nights where I would go to bed and I was like, God, I don't wanna talk to you. And you feel that like little urge where God is just like, spend some time with me. Like read my Bible, get to know me. I wanna talk to you, please spend time with me. I wanna take it away, please give this to me. And I quit listening to that little voice and I was like, God, you know what? The last thing I would say to myself before I went to bed for about a year, for a year, was God, please don't let me die tonight because I don't think I would make it to heaven but I really don't want to talk to you. So please don't let me die tonight. For a year, that was the conversation that I had with him. But then I got in a community. I got around friends and family and I started to tell them and I realized that my story is not unique. Unfortunately, it is not unique. But there is this power in sharing your story with other people where God can bring that purpose to the pain. And it doesn't take that away, but it does make you more bold. James chapter four says it like this. It says, he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God, give up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn away from you. Move your heart closer to God, and he will come closer to you. Grace and more grace. 
grace for sin, grace for pain, anything that you have done, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how big you think it is, it is no match for the blood of Jesus Christ. If we can rest in that, we can have an understanding that God has something incredible for us and pain will come, agony will come, disease will come, divorce may come, pain may come, finance issues will come, but there is still grace and He will sustain you and He will lift you up and He will take away every sin and every pain that you might have because God is God and He has it all in His hands. Um, if the prayer team can go ahead and, and come up, we're just going to let God do His thing. There's nothing more that I can say. If you are struggling with something today, it could be pride, it could be um, a sin or a struggle that you just need somebody to talk to and help pray with you. We're gonna have our prayer team um, come up. Man, I've been praying, I, our whole team has been praying for this moment. If you're thinking you don't need prayer and that everything is okay, but then a subject or a person comes up to your mind, bring it to God. Surrender it to God. We can't keep on holding on to it and then be surprised when we still feel the weight of it. Come here tonight if you have something you want to give to God so that you can take up that grace. He will give you more grace than you anticipate. I promise you. Go ahead and, and stand up with me. If you want prayer, the altar is open. Uh, I wanna respect your time. Um, we're gonna sing another song of worship. And if you have something to pray about, if you want somebody to join you in something, if you wanna talk about your family, your friends, anything that you wanna surrender to God tonight, even yourself, bring it all to God. So much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.